Welcome to the launch pad, we got Deemster, smoke it, get sent up Can't nothing come between me, seeing these entities but a couple puffs Just consider my ego put up, when I got Aya in my cup I was selling psychedelics till the feds locked me up Still ain't heard about that Jesus Christ, that dude was doing drugs Meditating with monks in Afghanistan, that dude was all about love I started a podcast to call it the launch pad You can go ask Murray State, I was the psychedelic plug what is up everybody i hope that you enjoyed that silly little intro (laughs) i had a lot of fun making it but uh yeah so welcome back for the third episode of launchpad podcast today i had my buddy jake on and you know we talked about of course psychedelics uh we talked about the ties between religion and psychedelics, um, which I, I think is a very interesting subject. And I guess just as like a little disclaimer, I don't know if Jesus was actually doing drugs. I mean, some people theorize he was, uh, but yeah, we talk about that, you know, later on in this episode. So I hope you enjoy it. Also, I'm going to be leaving Jake's info and all that in the description. Go check out his YouTube channel. It's pretty great. Uh, Had a lot of fun making this with him. Definitely going to have to have him back on again. Hope you all have a gorgeous fucking day. Peace out. Merging with Simulator in 3, 2, 1. What's up, man? Not much, man. I'm excited to be here. I've been waiting for this. Yeah, dude. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, could you tell everybody who you are and why you're here on the Launchpad podcast? Sure, sure. So my name is Jake. Uh, I am a really, really teeny tiny YouTuber. I just started this whole uh, journey of trying to share my psychedelic experiences online with other people. Um, and I, I've been following uh, you uh, for a while, really, since your channel started. The YouTube algorithm brought us together. Um, and so as soon as I was kind of stepping into this realm, I knew that I wanted to reach out to you and I saw your first episode of your podcast and it was just, you know, the DMT gods aligned, whatever stars, and it just seemed like it was a smart idea to reach out to you. So I I wanted to talk uh, about all the crazy shit that we've seen. (laughs) Right. I love how you said the DMT gods. That's hilarious. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, I I refer to them often. (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, we were talking for a couple minutes before I, you know, started to record, and we're talking about how me and you both have made these sort of trip report videos on YouTube, and, you know, how we feel like it's a good way to sort of try and somewhat encapsulate that experience, um, because these things are, they're so complex, and it's hard to put these experiences into words, and it's, you know something that's reiterated a lot in the psychedelic community is the importance of integrating your experience and thinking about it and, you know, evaluating it and things of that nature. And that's why when I saw you comment on one of my posts um, and I checked out your channel, I was like, I think me and this dude could have a cool conversation. <laughs> seems like a cool guy. Um, For sure. <laughs> yeah. So, so actually to kind of jump right into it and I, 
I kind of want to pick your brain about something because what you just said jogs something in my memory. So in this whole process of trying to translate these experiences into YouTube videos, right? I know I've watched your stuff on HPPD before. I myself, you know, suffer with it or whatever. I, I don't view it as an affliction, but whatever. Um, so I, I have these experiences sober or on, you know, THC or whatever. I found that the process of me trying to write down my trip before making it into a video triggered my HPPD. Like the first time that I tried to write down the DMT trip report that I was going to do a video on, I ended up having DMT visuals while writing it down. I, I, I think I had smoked a tiny bit and I was writing, but it wasn't, I was by no means expecting that to happen. It was just, I unlocked some part of my brain just by the writing process of trying to recall that experience. And I, I'm just curious if you've had anything similar to that or I don't know. It's, it, it was surprising to me. That's a really interesting question. Um, and you know, you mentioned that it, you know, made your HPPD sort of flare up in the moments that <laughs> you're trying to document and think through these experiences. Uh, my stint with HPPD, and I talk about this in the video that I made, only lasted for a few months. I mean, it was profound and it was there, um, but by abstaining from psychoactive compounds for a certain amount of time, it, I was lucky that it went away on its own. Now, HPPD, it seems like there's this super broad spectrum that it exists on. Some people deal with it for a couple weeks, some people deal with it for a couple years, and some people say that they been dealing with it for potentially the rest of their life um you know and there's I, I i feel like i might be in that category at this point i don't know yeah and i'm glad that you said that you, it, you don't see it as an affliction the way i saw it when i had it it was slightly concerning but once i did my research and realized okay maybe i'm not going crazy maybe this is just part of the natural hum human experience when you take these super powerful compounds you know um but yeah man it seems like with hppd there is certain things that you know m exacerbate your your symptoms of it uh for me personally um things that exacerbated my symptoms were smoking weed obviously um if i got if i did really really intense exercise like ran a lot uh, towards the end of it i would feel kind of you know like trippy you know uh yeah uh things I start to get a little loose <laughs> yeah yeah um but that's interesting that you said that writing these things down flared up your hppd because i didn't experience that because by the time that i was making these videos i had been long removed from the throes of hppd and for people who don't know it stands for hallucinogen uh persisting perception disorder and it's basically where, you know, if you, uh, some people take psychedelics and they experience these hallucinogenic symptoms, uh, for an extended period of time afterwards, even when they're not tripping. Um, and you know, I made a whole video about that if you want to go check that out. But, uh, yeah, man, uh, I, I noticed when I was making my videos that, it was very therapeutic in the way that I had, of course, thought about these experiences a lot and, jur and like journaled about them a little bit, but I never really put like, 
the pen to paper and really try to like um, break it down. And it was a, a unique process in making a video for it, you know, and I think Certainly, it's, yeah. yeah. And one of the things I like to do, as you can see behind me, I like to make paintings and some of them, you know, have to do with some of the psychedelic experiences I've had. I just feel like that's a cool way to sort of document it, remind yourself of it. And I think you could do the same thing with like what you're doing or what I'm doing with these trip report videos. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. It's definitely, I, I have definitely um, used those similar kind of therapies to bring my psychedelic experiences back to the, you know, real regular life with me by art and things like that. Um, art has kind of always been, something that I held near dear as a kid. Um, and so it was definitely the easiest way to kind of transcribe these things into uh, something that someone can commonly understand. Um, even though you can never really do it justice, it's still just, uh, yeah, it, it definitely is. Um, it, it's a great kind of routine if you want to really explore these psychedelic experiences, but also keep re not reliving them. I, I guess for me, I relived them. Um, but if you want to keep, gaining uh benefit from them uh that's what i find is you know meditation on those things um specific experiences that i want to try and get back if i'm in a spot that i feel like i could use that mindset again um that granted meditation is one of the things that has thrown me into you know hppd it, it's so random i i really am trying to narrow down what it is that triggers it for me but it seems to it seems to be very random um i even just when i'm emotional about something like the the birth of my son i had a dmt experience when he was born like in in the hospital room i, I mean i was very caught off guard i wasn't expecting that um but yeah th this is just something i think that and i hadn't had a trip in a very long time there was i obviously was sober there was no reason for me to have a dmt trip in the hospital um that's but yeah i think it's just a lifelong thing for me that's super fascinating that you said that about you having this DMT-esque experience when your son was born because I had a very similar thing when my son was born. Uh, he's five now, but I had him when I was 17, man, right before wow, my... that's crazy. Yeah, right before my senior year of high school. And the entire time that my high school girlfriend at the time was pregnant, I kind of dissociated from the fact that I was going to be a father. Like I knew I was going to be, but it's the reality of it hadn't sunk in yet. And when he was born, you know, they do, he comes out the womb, they do the whole kind of wrap him up, wipe him off, hand, hand him to the mother. And uh, so, you know, they handed my son to his mother and she held him for a little bit. And then they cleaned him up a little bit, wrapped him in a blanket and handed him to me. And I'll never forget it, man. I was holding him in the hospital first time I ever held him and he opened his eyes for the first time to the world and looked directly into my eyes like as soon as he opened them and that was one of the most moving psychedelic experiences I've ever had in my life and I of course was sober at the time um what was what was your experience sort of like with that so so my experience was it was it was literally the moment that he was born the exact moment in time that he came into the world um the dmt like sound slash feeling started happening like it filled the room and, and you know in those moments 
time is very relative. So time kind of stopped or was at least very slow for me. And the DMT feeling noise vibration filled the whole room. And then the room got like enormous, like, like, you know, how it just feels like it goes on for infinity. Um, and then everything kind of snapped back into place. And I was back in reality and very sober when he cried. <laughs> I don't know. Right. I don't know why, but that's what happened to me. Right. So, well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> from like a ancestral point of view, sort of a adaptation of humans is to have a sort of response in our nervous system when a infant cries, you know, uh, so that's kind of programmed into our DNA. But yeah, that's, um, it, it's, it's crazy that you said that it happened the moment he came out, because I'm sure you've, you've heard of people speculating that um, whenever we're born or we're dying, there is a massive amount of DMT being secreted. Um, and, you know, of course it was, and I don't know how, how the fuck it would work, how the, the DMT <laughs> gods would orchestrate this, oh. but there's a lot of extra woo-woo shit going on in the backgrounds that our human monkey brains cannot perceive on a daily basis. So maybe, <laughs> maybe you were getting some sort of energetic, you know, you were absorbing some energetic DMT release from your son. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, what do you yeah, think? That's, a, that's such a great point because that kind of, it does a, a good job of ex explaining the feeling that went along with that moment. It was almost like, like in your, in that DMT realm, you kind of become one with this giant pool of a universe. And in that moment, I could feel him jump into the pool and be added to that like universal consciousness or whatever. That's what it felt like. It was like, oh, like there's an addition and that addition is connected to me even even closer than the connections that I already feel with like all of humanity, I guess. Uh, that's that, that, yeah, it's interesting. I guess maybe I, I was triggered by, um, his addition of DMT to the pool. Uh, I guess. I don't know. Dude, that's, that's a, absolutely one of the most beautiful analogies I've ever heard for something like that of he, him getting added. You could feel him getting added to the pool. Uh, you know, because that seems to be a common trend with a lot of people who go deep with DMT or other psychedelic substances is they saw God, but God isn't some sky daddy wizard telling you <laughs> when you when you can and can't ejaculate. It's it's right. God is essentially and I'm not disclaimer. I'm not trying to act like I know what God is, people. But anecdotally, these reports that other people have reported, some of the experiences I had, God is, you know, the universal connected consciousness. It's, it's the consciousness. It's, uh, you know, and, uh, I, I have a video on my channel about the time that I visited Indra's net, the Hindu demigod Indra. And, and Very that good was, video. everyone should go check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks Jake. <laughs> but, uh, and the, and, and the, core of the message of that trip was Indra explaining to me how like everything is connected and showing it to me through his net and that I have it tatted on me here because it was such a profound That's trip awesome. you know and it, it just but that message has been reiterated to me many times on psychedelics and one thing I've thought about when it comes to psychedelics right and I know some people out there will disagree with this and that's okay but there is that sort of classic saying, I think Alan, yeah, it was Alan Watts. He says, when you get the message, 
hang up the phone. You know, he's talking about once you get the right message on psychedelics, essentially stop taking them. And I somewhat agree with that and I somewhat disagree with that because there seems to be almost an infinite amount of lessons and things to be learned from psychedelics. Now, you can, it can get away from you and you can use it as an escape from your reality and not integrate what you learned. Um, and I definitely fell into that pitfall myself. But even, even if it's not always a new message, it seems like sometimes going back to that place and getting the same message reiterated to you in a slightly different way or just feeling it again can have a positive its own positive impact so like I, I think it's highly personal there's plenty of people out there who maybe they take mushrooms one time in their entire life and that's all they need and then maybe there's people like I'm, i mean like me and i can see myself having a deep healthy relationship with psychedelics for potentially the rest of my life you know certainly certainly and I, so my my personal experience to kind of expand on that concept of what is the appropriate rate of use with psychedelics so when I, when i got into i'm i'm a, a nurse in the emergency department so i i got into this kind of by for a lot of different reasons but i saw people in the emergency department experiencing these symptoms on psychedelics and it was so different than any other like overdose that came in it was the fact that we were classifying it as all the same thing made no sense to me it, it was illogical from like a biological perspective that the guy tripping on acid who's having the time of his life literally traveling galaxies is the same as the heroin overdose in the bed next door like that just didn't that didn't equate to me so that was one of the things that set me down this whole path of um exploration but also trying to retain like the medical side of it and try and handle it as scientific as i possibly could um so one of the ways that i ended up doing that was growing my own mushrooms um and through that process of growing the mushrooms and then taking those mushrooms that i personally cultivated at high levels i ended up developing a weird like quite literal personal relationship with the psilocybin mushrooms like we we were able to, to communicate if i was able to you know get past a certain threshold of uh you know dosage i was able to talk to the mushrooms that i was growing all this time and in this this weird summer of me having this experience and developing a relationship with them that kind of taught me my own personal governor of of how frequently i should take them and it is very similar to any sort of other friendship that i have in my life where i don't want to just be a constant taker i don't want to keep just diving into these psychedelic experiences for the the pure bliss of the moment of it but never taking that and actually doing work and applying it to my own life sober i needed to do that first i needed to to show the mushrooms that i was applying this information otherwise if i kept coming back to them for more they were they were going to punish me i was going to have a bad trip um which can be useful as well but that that was my kind of personal experience with the frequency with which i'm comfortable doing psychedelics right and i, I can relate to that so much man i have not grown or cultivated any of my own psychedelics yet i will one day but I definitely still feel a very deep connection to the different substances. Like, I mean, 
mushrooms and acid, they're similar, but they're very different, you know? And when I take mushrooms, and I've talked about this before, it's very internal and there seems to be a unique sort of spirit to the mushroom experience, you know? And it's the same way for me with DMT. I feel like a very deep connection with that, that place or whatever it is. And every time I go back there, it feels like they're like welcoming, welcoming me back. Like they've been waiting for me. Um, but yeah. And I also like what you said about just not constantly taking and taking it. Cause that was one thing I kind of had to learn the hard way with psychedelics was like I said earlier, just sort of wanting to live in that psychedelic space all the time and not fully integrating what I had learned. And I got some hard lessons taught to me by the substances. Um, and that was another reason why I kind of wanted to start this channel is, I mean, like, I'm not looking to become rich and famous, but like, I genuinely enjoy, enjoy doing it. And I feel like it has, it's good karma in the way that if this helps, if my podcast helps one person or, you know, I feel like it was completely worth all of the hours and the time and the thought and, you know, through the process, I've learned a lot about myself and just about, you know, talking to people, but it's a way for me to give back to something, whether that be God, the divine, the mushroom spirit, I don't know what it is, but to give back to that thing. And, you know, cause we are living in a time it's, it's the psychedelic Renaissance, you know, people, people are craving a real connection to something, something real. And I don't mean to bash, you know, these established popular religions, but like, man, growing, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but like growing up, man, like, you know, we, we weren't huge churchgoers, but we went to church, like, you know, like Baptist Christian church. And I never understood as a child, people talking about their connection to God, because I never felt it. I felt very disconnected, very like, just kind of confused, just going with the just going with the flow of things, man. Sure. Y'all believe in that? Whatever. I'm here, you know, type thing. But then when I started experimenting with psychedelics, it was like, oh, so this is what people are talking about. Like the psychedelics to me are essentially like going to church, you know? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I was raised extremely religious. Uh, I actually grew up in uh, essentially like a Christian cult, more or less. Um, I, you know, left years ago, but that was the, the perspective that I was coming at this was uh, it grew up in an environment where similar to you, everyone at least seemingly had such a strong relationship with God and they talked about it or bragged about it a lot. And I just felt left out of the group. I didn't have that. I was never able, I tried very hard, like earnestly to cultivate some sort of relationship and to believe in it. Cause I, you know, I wanted to make the, my friends and family happy and fit in, but it never, it never worked. It never stuck. And so I, you know, I kind of rejected all of it I, for various reasons. I, you know, obviously the, the cult environment is not uh, ideal. Um, and that really made me lean into just rejecting everything. And then by way of this psychedelic process, I, that's when I was like, Oh fuck, like, there is more to this there, that those experiences are so undeniably pr proof that there is a higher something. I, what I, I'm, you know, 
way too stupid to comment really on what that is, but I, like, I can't ignore that anymore. And so that's where, you know, it, it brought me right back full circle to reconsidering all possibilities. Um, it's just, you can't not do that when you have real world experiences, universal experiences. I can give this plant to any human being on the planet and they can see Egyptian hieroglyphics in the clouds and talk to a tree. So you, like, <laughs> right. what are you going to do now? You go back to your nine to five job. Good luck. <laughs> Beautifully put, man. And you know, uh, like it's it, w for anybody listening, I'm sure there's somebody out there thinking like these two fucking, <laughs> these two fucking burnout hippies are trying to tell me what God is. Uh, and, and no, it's, it's don't take our word for it. Take the, hundreds of thousands maybe millions of different people who have had these experiences and will say the same thing i mean like and the use of psychedelics isn't a new thing this has been going on for thousands and thousands of years and they've they've proven proven this with you know like archaeological chemistry digging up you know these ritualistic drinking vessels and finding ergot fungus in it which is uh which is something that, you know, uh, I, I really wanted to talk to you about was um, sort of the ties between psychedelics and religion. Um, you know, so I, what do you have to say about that? Because I have a lot to say. <laughs> oh, right. I mean, certainly I feel like I could probably I could probably talk about this for the rest of the time uh, with you. Um, I, I think just to like put real simply to kind of start us off, I feel that once you've truly gotten kind of a, a, a good foothold in the psychedelic realm, the only logical conclusion that most people come to is that those experiences are, are most likely the source of all religious ideologies. Um, most, most uh, undeniably because the, the literal imagery that entire religions have been based around show up on your walls when you're taking LSD or high dose, like the, the gods that you have seen ancient civilizations worship, you can see them with your own two eyes by taking these substances. So the only logical conclusion that at least I drew is that that is what all this stems from. And it's a bit of a game of whisper down the alley, trying to get people to abide by what society has learned from these psychedelic experiences. Right. And, you know, I like to play devil's advocate a little bit. I, I've heard the argument of these are these are these experiences are essentially just your brain creating these imaginary things. And maybe, maybe not smoke, you know, 60 milligrams of NN dimethyltryptamine and tell me you still feel the same way. But regardless, I mean, like, you know, whenever I, I, I would. Not to cut Go you ahead. off, but I would I would push back on that right away with the group experiences. So that was one of the things that hooked me immediately was on Rogan's podcast, him talking about people doing ayahuasca ceremonies off in the jungle as a large group of strangers and them all seeing the same like elves come out of the woods. So like from like I had to you know study pharmacology and all these things through my like nursing career, none of that fit into that box. like that doesn't make sense by any measure of understood science so 
like that I, I could I could sign off on the it's just a chemical reaction in your brain up until people are literally meeting the same entities and like having conversations that could not take place unless there was relationships outside of this dimension that we live in. Right. It's like, what's more likely? Is it that our brains coincidentally are coming up with the same hallucination on their own simultaneously at the same time while we're in the same place? Or are, is, is, are we opening up some perception valve that, that lets us see, I mean, cause I think, it, and I could be butchering the shit out of this, but I'm pretty sure science has shown that our brain takes in like an absurd amount of data, but can only, it has these filters and it can only put together a small fraction of it for your like everyday perception and survival. And I mean, that's a lot of what our brain is doing is perceiving the things that are essential to our survival as a, as a species, you know, but there is, according to religious texts and people who have smoked DMT and stuff like that, there is these other dimensions nearby that maybe exist on top of ours. I don't know how the fuck it works that people have been debating the existence of these dimensions for thousands of years. And it's something that when you're a psychedelic virgin, it's kind of like, all right, dude, like, you know, I don't know about that. But like I said earlier, you smoke some DMT or you take a large enough dose of these other tryptamines, it's, it's undeniable because it's not even like I think that happened. It's in your fucking face, you know? Yeah, you don't have a choice. Like, it's it's forcing you to look at what it wants to show you. Um, I will say, like, in, completely in agreement. Uh, that's my at least loose understanding of how at least one part of psychedelics work is I can't remember the specifics, but essentially that little part in your brain that is the governor so like you know the governor is that piece in the in your car that doesn't allow you to go past a certain speed the default um, so mode network the exactly. default mode network yeah exactly so basically psilocybin i, I know psilocybin i'm not I'm, I'm certain it's probably the other psychedelics as well but they one of their functions when you ingest these substances is to override that network that little node that conserves energy because it's it, you can't sustain using 100% of your brain power 100% of the time you would just calorically it's unsustainable so your brain is constantly monitoring and be like whoa let's calm down let's pull back in this area let's you know you need to use as much energy as possible to function properly and then save some for later um, and mushrooms and psychedelics just kind of flick that off and let your brain go wild for a while um, yeah, so I, I completely agree with that. And I think that is what leads people to assume or speculate that these are just isolated, self-contained hallucinations because you're just kind of tweaking your brain chemistry. And it's not really proof of a connection to a higher plane or a spiritual realm or anything like that. But that's where I would kind of once again push back. And I don't know if you've ever seen any of the Comedy Central tales from the trip videos yeah. right so are you familiar with the shane moss with episode? the purple with, with the, the purple? purple yeah exactly that's what i a skeptic who kind of would tell me that they think that it's all in my head i showed them that video and granted like it's anecdotal and you have to take the this comedy this comedian's word that this is a true story but if we're assuming that that's a true thing 
that doesn't fit into your narrative that this is just some random chemical hallucination like just like getting drunk or something like that it's different like at the very least you're admitting that all of our brains are connected like some invisible wi-fi that we don't know about so explain that to me then like explain something right and that video that you're referencing is shane moss the comedian he talks about how in several different dmt trips he has this experience with this purple lady who he over time sort of develops this hilarious relationship with but it's interesting because what we're talking about how it's it's not just this one-off thing he's going back and seeing the same purple lady and what you were saying uh a couple minutes ago about this sort of brain chemistry that's going on during a psychedelic experience uh, they've shown like i think it's with mris or cat scans one of those brain imaging fucking things that scientists use but they gave people psychedelics and monitored their brains and like I, I i didn't mean to interrupt you but i could tell you were searching for the word that it shuts off this part of your brain called the default mode network which is responsible for you know your sense of self i guess you can call it your ego um and also uh i, I don't know if you've ever seen the pictures of you know what your uh sort of neurons in your head looks like sober compared to with, with mushrooms there is this intense amount of what's called neuroplasticity going on where all these new connections are being formed and made and uh you know that's probably why a lot of people <clears throat> have these sort of deep realizations about the world or themselves or uh things of that nature because they are literally thinking in a unique way that they may never have if they hadn't taken the psychedelic and i'm not saying psychedelics are the only route to neuroplasticity there's a lot of different ways you know like uh, lion's mane mushroom it's not a psychedelic uh that helps promote neuroplasticity uh you know i, I think meditation does too um you know but it's just it's it's fascinating how all of these things tie together and you know what we were talking about earlier with psychedelics and religion it, it, it's you know i think it's almost a crying shame that psychedelics have been suppressed for so long and they're quite probably the root of the these religious establishments the, the thing that originally got people connected to the divine the higher powers you know um like uh i'm sure you've heard the story of moses in the burning bush and a lot of people a lot of people theorize that that was like uh the acacia tree and that moses was you know essentially and acacia tree is super high in dimethyltryptamine and some people theorize that he was essentially having a dimethyltryptamine trip now people have poked holes in that theory and you can poke holes in any sort of theory that you don't have the concrete evidence for. And I'm not saying I subscribe to it or believe it 100%, but it's just interesting. And there's a massive amount of these theories similar to that. Like what I was just talking about. I have the DMT molecule right here in the eye of Horus, which is supposed to be the pineal gland in the Egyptian awesome. hieroglyphs. That's and so then, cool. And then the acacia tree and the alm <laughs> symbol, which is supposed to represent God. That's you know, amazing thanks man but uh, i just i fell in love with that story because I, I had heard it after i had had some experiences with dmt and i was like 
you know what? If that motherfucker, like if Moses really did get his hands on, get his hands on some or have that experience, that was it. Like that was the thing. Yeah. That, no, I know. agree. I, th I think that that's what it, it keeps coming back to in my head, at least. Cause if you, if you look at the Bible in a literal sense, which is what a lot of times, you know, mainstream religion tries to fit it into that box. I don't think it stands up to logic. I think that so many of the things that are portrayed as real life experiences just don't make sense, you know, for a lot of different reasons. But if you take it out of that box of being a literal world event with each of these biblical things that happened, and you put it into maybe a psychedelic category of people burning some bush and seeing things that do not fit into their entire life. Like their entire life experience is so, so uh, insignificant compared to that small experience that they had on DMT, if that's really what that was. Um, I think that that's probably a better explanation, at least for me, that's a, a, a more easily reconcilable explanation for what the Bible is really about. It, it makes sense that this is the most powerful stuff that I've ever seen on the planet. Um, so it would make sense that the, the book with the most longevity, uh, and has the craziest stories is probably based on the craziest substances. Right. And I mean, the Bible in its entirety is one of the most magical, mystical, you know, pieces of text out there and two point something billion people on this earth right now subscribe to it, like consider themselves right. like that is their faith. Um, and why I think that's so interesting is because have you ever heard the theory that Christianity is basically built upon these psychedelic rituals slash cults, you know, um, there was this book called the immortality key, the, the history of the hidden religion with no name, something like that. Um, but essentially this lawyer spent like 12 years researching the mysteries at Eleusis, like the ancient Athens, Greece mysteries, uh, uh, these, these large figures in their society, like Plato's and, and these other deep thinkers, um, would go to this place. And it was this sort of rite of passage where they did it once in their life and they were sworn into secrecy. Like you were either excommunicated or killed if you talked about your experience, but they talk about drinking this potion that essentially gave them immortality in the fact that they saw that their consciousness doesn't die. Your consciousness survives bodily death. Um, you know, and th like I said earlier, they've, they've proven that ancient people were taking these substances because They've dug them up and have this archaeological chemistry where they've proven it has that like ergot fungus in it. And ergot, a certain ergot fungus uh, produces LSA, which is very similar to LSD. So you can imagine these, these people thousands of years ago telling the other people like, hey, man, you're going to do the rite of passage this week. You're going to you're going to see God. Trust me. And. And they've, they've never heard of psychedelics, never taken psychedelics, and then they get a super large dose of LSA, and they're seeing God, they see that their consciousness is 
separate from their body. And what I really, <laughs> what I really love about that book, man, is this was the best part about it to me is that like the s- second half of the book, and I am butchering a lot of this. So please like do your own research. But in the second half of the book, this lawyer, the, the guy who wrote the book, he makes the argument that Jesus wasn't really trying to establish the Christian faith per se. He was more so trying to spread the message that your connection to God, it's yours. Like, take it. Like, here's how you do it. And Jesus, there, Jesus might have been somewhat of like a psychedelic drug dealer. Like, n- not not for profit, but he was. He makes the argument that Jesus might have been going around distributing distributing this psychedelic wine, the ergot fungus, and showing people how to make it themselves. Just dosing everybody. <laughs> yeah, man. And, and, you know, I think that's one of the problems with church today. One of the things, like we were talking about earlier, why I didn't feel a connection. It was like, why does there have to be this middleman, you know, like telling me? And also it was like, why do I want to believe in a God that's like, vengeful and vindictive you know yeah yeah that was a one point that i recently um have kind of been thinking about a lot is i I love one thing that you know psychedelics give you this cool ability to look at things with very fresh eyes um and so i've been microdosing and doing like crazy research on topics just like this um and one thing that i had heard that i put christianity in such a different light for me was that christianity is a religion centered around human sacrifice and cannibalism and that is a 100 percent accurate statement the whole concept of christianity is that you need bloodshed in order to justify or satisfy whatever you know desire god has to make things right that's a that's a crazy little thing to drop on people and to live by um it's not saying that that's like that is an extreme view of christianity i'm sure for a lot of people but what aspect of that is wrong i mean it really is what it is it's the whole the whole sacrifice of jesus christ is it's human sacrifice and all throughout the bible time and time again you prove your loyalty to god are you are you willing to kill your son take him up to the mountain kill him right now do it now and if i don't raise that knife then i i'm not loyal to god that's a wild little story to tell your kids i don't know (laughs) and i'll admit i'm not super versed and educated on uh uh, biblical scriptures but i know like i said growing up i went to church and i know the basic story and i've done some of my own little research um and the complicated thing about the bible is you know all these nuances of uh it was written at all these different times by all these different people and it's been interpreted in many different ways and there's all these different versions of it it's it's um it was my where i was at with it where i was at with it when i was a child was i remember hearing about hell and the thought i had as a little kid was like just i guess i just felt fear because of that concept like a a fear to my bones like you're telling me if i don't 
worship this being that I have no proof is there that I don't feel I could potentially be lit on fire and, forever and burn, yeah, burn yeah. for an eternity. I was like, no tapping out. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, why are we doing this every Sunday? Like, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, yeah, and no, I, it's, it's crazy. And you know, it's so refreshing because my experiences with psychedelics have been the complete opposite in terms of what I've felt from that higher power or whatever it is, is nothing, nothing but unconditional love. And that's one of the biggest messages I've taken away from my time with these things is you are on each and every one of us are unconditionally loved and the most powerful force I think in the universe is unconditional love. And, you know, if you don't believe me, just fucking try it for real. Like, you know, with, with your friends, with your family, with a random stranger you met, let, let them feel seen by you. Like in terms of they feel like they can be their true selves around you. And no matter what, it's like, I love you, dude. Like that. I, and man, I, I probably sound like a major douchebag right now. <laughs> <laughs> all the, all the hippie like things are checking off all the boxes. <laughs> yeah. I got a little list over here. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> We'll God. we'll hit all the cliches before this. Don't worry. <laughs> oh yeah, we're gonna nail him, man. But yeah, I just thought that was fucking hilarious that Jesus might have been a psychedelic drug dealer, right? And that like, I don't know if you've had this kind of personal conflict in thinking about all these things, but one of the real struggles I had when I first started having spiritual experiences on psychedelics was. The contrast with, so I was, you know, brought up in a strict Christian household and way of thinking about things. And in that context, psychedelics are not allowed, right? I think that's kind of like illicit drugs kind of as a safe bet that it would be condemned or at least, you know, frowned upon. Um, so it was very, it was so difficult for me to wrap my mind around how I had spent my whole childhood in the environment that is supposed to be best at inculc you know developing some sort of religious or spiritual experience i rejected all of that kind of defaulted to atheism and then by doing these substances that were condemned by religion i found god so that i mean that's just a really confusing full circle that i i think that happens to a lot of people and i don't know where that leaves me um, not that I, I, I feel confident now I, I've kind of taken this personal journey of deciding how I feel about things and, and fully accepting that my psychedelic use will be full. It will be integrated entirely into my sense of spirituality. Um, but that was definitely a, a struggle for me at first when I started having these experiences in you know, the mushroom realm or DMT realm, you know, what the hell? God told me I wasn't supposed to do this stuff. And then here I am meeting him at the other side of this door. Like, that's that's a weird, it's really, that was a turn I wasn't expecting. Right. And I mean, like, once you've done these things or just even done your research on them, it's easy to see why, why they were condemned. And because, you know, it. like I said earlier, church is sort of the middleman for your connection to God. When you take out that middleman and people have the direct connection, it's like, well, why are we, 
funding this like maybe we should fund the psychedelic research studies like maps the multi multidisciplinary association for psychedelic studies maybe that needs our tithes more than than <laughs> K katie's you know baptist church whatever needs uh and i'm not I, I, gosh i'm probably making so many people mad and that is okay i'm just speaking my mind i'm not saying that church is altogether a bad thing like i think there is definitely value in any sort of higher power that you believe in like if you believe that your refrigerator is your higher power and a contingency of that is that it makes your quality of life better i, I think go for it man that that fucking refrigerator is awesome you know so like if you show up to a christian church or a, a buddhist monastery and by believing in that it makes your quality of life better go for it man like i'm not i probably have sounded very judgmental through this episode but i'm really not like i understand these differences in perspectives you know we all live in our own sort of unique reality tunnels and there's a lot of good things that churches do you know like in, in my community churches they help clean up and they host you know youth soccer games and i think that's awesome like i think that's a good thing but i hate the sort of I always hated the fear that it instilled in people. I think that is toxic. I think one of the things that makes people so depressed in life and so anxious is it is not being able to grapple with their own mortality. Like that, I think the root of so many ailments, depression, anxiety, all these things, that's rooted in fear. And once you've sort of conquered that fear of your own mortality, it it frees you up in a lot of ways, you know? Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Um, it, it is. Yeah. It's I, I'll say this to kind of satisfy the viewers who are, you know, taking issue with our heathenistic conversation. Um, this is how I would frame it for myself, at least personally, uh, that I just, I was too weak spiritually. I am not, I'm not as good as you are at at having a relationship with God and being the religious person that I thought I should be. I didn't want to keep hypocritically going and, and feigning this lifestyle that I really wasn't living. Um, and so I was just too weak. I couldn't hack it. I wasn't good at it. Um, and I just need something a little more real to, like, you know, muster up this faith in God. So look at it that way that you know psychonauts are just more spiritually weak than you and we need a little extra to realize that god exists that's all it is god created <laughs> mushrooms right so you should be happy <laughs> yeah uh that's something i've thought about a lot when i've taken these substances it's like how bizarre is it that that first of all life exists the fact that i'm alive experiencing what i am now but on top of that dmt exists it's like Man, like, and not every time, but most of the time after I've smoked DMT, like when I'm coming back into my body from the trip, I get this feeling almost as if like I'm being plugged back into the, the simulation or the video game, whatever it is. Like it is a very visceral feeling that is reiterated in a lot of my trips and <clears throat> like, uh, I remember I read this book when I was in jail and the second half of it had to do with like, it was an interesting book because the first half of it, I completely agreed with the second half of it I didn't. And the first half 
had to do with the science of like God, like the science of our world even existing and breaking it down into like numbers of like the chances of this happening randomly. And it basically came through all this science and mathematics. It, sh it walked you through it and came to this conclusion that the fact that this should even exist, like pretty much could not be a coincidence. And then the second half of the book was like trying to convince you like what you can do to be a better Christian and like not go to hell. You know, so I was kind of just like, yeah, well, fuck. But I mean, there, it, it is bizarre. And that's one of the things psychedelics will do for you is that life can sometimes feel very mundane, you know, and especially depending on your circumstances and your neurochemistry and all sorts of things. But like one of the classic stoner or hippie things is like, look at that dude over there hugging a tree, you know, like a tree hugger. Because when you take a psychedelic, you realize just like how beautifully, like how insanely beautiful this world is, you know, like, uh, I don't know if you felt that too. Oh yeah. No, I've, I mean, I've had some weird experiences with trees for sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it just, it opens up the, it opens every single possibility up when you do these substances. That's why the, like the name of my channel is Jake knows nothing because that's really what it left me with all of this that that's the so tum, the, the summary of this whole psychonautic experience that i've had is that i don't know shit i everything that i've been taught from every aspect of my life in public school in my religious uh, you know areas of my life it's all the government <laughs> it's all not true it's all not true and if you dig a little bit deeper people really aren't even pretending that much that it's true um, it, there's just so many holes in like the foundational understandings that I had. Um, and so it's been, it's a scary thing, but it's also a fun thing to take these substances and then just reconsider everything. And I, I don't know anything. I'm not claiming to know anything. I am just kind of enjoying not knowing and relearning everything. Right. That was the experience I had with it too, man, is that I thought that when I came to psychedelics, I thought I was going to have all of my questions sort of answered. And, and in the process of that, some of them kind of did, but I, I just had almost an infinite amount of more questions that came up because of these experiences. And you come, like you said, to the deep realization of, well, maybe I don't actually know anything and that's okay. I wanted to ask you about that. I'm glad you brought that up. You're, the name of your channel, Jake knows nothing because who was it? Was it Aristotle? It was either Aristotle's or Socrates. He has that famous quote that he says, all I know is I know nothing, you know? Yeah, and that's it's the only thing you could be sure of. <laughs> right. And, uh, like I remember one of his practices when he would have these like mentors and people apprenticing and learning from him and learning with him is he would ask them like they would bring up something and he would ask them well, like why and he would just keep asking them, like breaking down their logic and keep asking why further down until these people either like didn't have an answer or they're getting down to like the fundamental aspects of reality and he was trying to show them like you don't know as much as you think you do and that's okay you know 
Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, it's like I said, it's a it's a truly scary realization to come to, but it all is also such a beautiful thing because it, it as long as you look at it with almost like the innocence of childhood, which is what I feel a lot of like that's a a good um explanation of what psychedelic experiences are like. Uh, it kind of puts you in that very impressionable childlike state. Um yeah, I think that uh that's just inevitably where it leads people if you keep doing these things is the realization that you just gotta start from scratch and like it's also a, a, a nice kind of social experience um especially if you're doing these substances with other people you know like i remember doing uh mushrooms we got me and my roommates got a cabin in the woods and we did mushrooms and one of the like real small tidbits that stuck out to me was me and my one friend looking at the tv and he was like they just they just let you play commercials like that like they just advertise to us non-stop through this thing on the wall and like that was such a it's such a silly thing to talk about um but that was like a profound moment for him and for me as well just that realization of how intrusive the capitalism is and how we've just accepted it because that's all we've known um but that's just like a, a small example of how this really broadens your your understanding of things or i guess your lack of understanding right I, I i agree completely when you take them responsibly thoughtfully with the right people or person it can be very very like a very close bonding experience and it can be therapeutic in its own right uh i like what you said about psychedelics kind of returning you back to a state of childhood childhood like wonder um because man this is something i've brought up a lot to my buddy josh because i've felt that myself too when you take a psychedelic you feel like a kid in terms of like the world you're just like whoa like clouds exist and that's that's one thing i've learned from my son you know is that he every day when he wakes up man the moment he fucking wakes up he's like let's play dinosaurs let's wrestle like he just has such a uh, love for life and curiosity and wonder and just awe of everything around him and he still has it man he's five years old and he's i mean and i think over time people get sort of hypnotically social conditioned into losing that childhood like wonder and I mean, I think that's the nature of our reality, but it's almost a shame because, you know, if we could all learn to live like kids, I mean, don't get me wrong, there needs to be like some responsibility and some discipline and things like that. But in terms of like that wonder and that love for life, man, it is, it, it's so refreshing. Like I thought when my son was born that, and of course I've taught him a lot, you know, like I, I you know, teach him to wipe his ass and tie his shoes and things like right, that. Yeah. But honestly, man, like I think he has taught me more about life because I kind of forgot what it was like to be a kid. Like I lost, I lost touch with that. And when I have him, man, he like, he forces me into that sort of mode, you know, like it, it's at his age, he's so energetic and requires so much attention and just is all about play and as a father, you know, I want to, I want to nurture that and encourage that. Um, and I'm sure, how old is your son? 
He's only five months. Yeah. 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 When I'm, and I'm sure you've seen some inklings of it. Like when he hears a certain sound or sees the TV and he's just like, Oh, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Like it's, that's such a perfect way of, of really describing at least my experiences so far, like early into fatherhood. Um, is it's way more of like the symbiotic relationship than I was expecting. Cause you can't really appreciate it having only lived on one end of it. When you've only been the child in the, in the parent child relationship, you can't fully appreciate how much they are getting from you out of this experience. And that was, that's been one of the most beautiful, you know, incredible things to enjoy and explore is learning from him. Um, and it's, it's funny that you kind of mentioned this in connection with psychedelic experiences as well, because that's one of the kind of methods or tools that I use in explaining new pe people who are new to psychedelics, how tripping is, what set and setting are, and how to use those things to prevent bad trips, so to speak. Um, and, and, I, and I liken it to being in that like infantile state again, where like take my son, for instance, he's real small. He's still in that state where if he gets hurt or is upset, you can just make a funny face and he'll, he'll pull back out of it and start giggling and laughing. You can just completely sway him with an expression of your face because he is so impressionable. And that is the state that psychedelics put you in as an adult. And so you have to, you know, kind of set up your surroundings with that in mind that it, don't put on a horror show, like a, a scary movie. If you're going to do psychedelic, unless you want to have a bad time. Like I've, trust me, I've been there where I just want to see how bad it can get. And I've done those trips as well, but yeah, like it's just be mindful of that, that you are no longer this adult who's in control of your feelings. You're very much in the wind and at the mercy of whatever is around you, whatever you hear or smell or see or any of that. Um, and so plan accordingly, plan, plan it as if you are a little baby and you need to just have some fun, shiny toys around and a rattle and just stick to those things. Dude, that's very wise words. I mean, yes, these things make you very vulnerable. And I think that's why there's so much emphasis on the set and the setting and people probably get tired of it sometimes, but it's, it, it is so, it's fundamentally key to how the experience is going to play out. And don't get me wrong. You can't control a psychedelic experience. A psychedelic experience is sort of like showing up to an amusement park and you buy a ticket to a roller coaster, but like you don't get to pick what that roller coaster is going to be, you know, yeah. but, but you can set up safety parameters like what you're talking about. And I thought it was hilarious when you said, don't turn on a horror show because I remember this, I remembered this story of whenever I was getting this tat, this tattoo that I showed you of the acacia tree and all that, my tattoo artist, of course, he was talking to me about it. And I was telling him about my experiences with DMT and psychedelics in general. And he was like, uh, like, yeah, man, like I used to take mushrooms. I really enjoyed it until I had a super bad trip. And I was like, oh, like, you know, like, well, you know, like, let's talk about it. Like, you know, explain it. And he explained that how he took mushrooms was by himself at these large doses. And every time he like ever did them, he watched, he purposely watched scary movies. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking like, dude, like, I mean, I, I was very polite and like, but I was like, 
you kind of set yourself up for failure there, man. Like, what do you think, you know? Yeah, if that's what you're going for, perfect. Like, you nailed it. Like, but yeah, no, it's not, a, it's not advisable, especially if you're new to it. Yeah, no, that's like, uh, yeah. it's a no-brainer. That's really, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting how these sensory inputs that we have can influence the trip. Like, I I don't know how many times, like, you've you've smoked DMT, but, like, every time that I do it, I like to play a certain type of music and it's usually like this very shamanic, like I, I, I love the artist Parangi and it's like this very m melodic, upbeat, spiritual, shamanic type music, trance type music and I can like feel it guiding me into that other realm and I know that sounds so bizarre to people who haven't experienced this, but man, like I'm telling you, it has an effect on it you know um, completely completely it's it's so weird how like you can you can leave your body right and i've experienced this in a, a, a bunch of different like a variety of ways that i've left my body um but your your spirit or soul or whatever it's still connected to your body through i find like my ears if that makes any sense like i can i can accidentally astral project somewhere but it, if i hear something in my like earthly body down below that is cause for alarm i will snap back to it like a yeah i don't i don't even like a retractable leash like it's it's this weird connection that i have but it's specifically like auditory and that's going back to that that um DMT experience with, you know, Shane Moss and this purple girlfriend, um, which one of the most remarkable aspects of that was he had met this woman and established a relationship over a series of trips. But when his friend took DMT, having zero prior knowledge of what the substance was, he too met that purple girl and that spirit entity, this purple DMT woman like remembered Shane by name. Like they were, they had an outside connection that this guy who had no experience, he wasn't privy to that knowledge at all. He was able to confirm that that was real by like a separate, I, I don't know. It's, it's uh it, it makes zero sense. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so interesting to me. It's amazing. And like, if you get on say Reddit or YouTube and you talk about these experiences or you look them up, you will have people come to you or message you and be like, yeah, dude, I've seen it too. Like on my Indra's net video, I can't tell. There was a few people that were like, yep, I've also seen it. And it's like, what? Like, yeah, what? That, that's been one of the most rewarding and surprising aspects of like the YouTube part of this is like I made a video on this one time that I did mushrooms. I did such a high dose of mushrooms that I ended up having a DMT ego death. And I could see inside my, like it was an astral projection and I could see inside my body, like the representation of where my soul goes. And it was like this weird, like four dimensional Rubik's cube thing, whatever the hell that means. But like there was there was like dude commenting on my video like hey like I seen the Rubik's cube like isn't it weird how it moves with music and I'm like bro like you too that's nuts that's absolutely insane that like this just happens and like it's you could give these mushrooms to other people and they'll see the Rubik's cube in their head like wow that's so cool yeah and it's it, it's 
like what I was talking about and what you're talking about with other people having these similar experiences, uh, you know, one thing that's very common, it seems like from the anecdotal reports that I've seen online for people to see is <clears throat> religious icons. <clears throat> Excuse me. For them to see these religious icons, like say, Jesus or Buddha, or in my case, I saw the Hindu demigod Indra and had other people tell me, yep, like I've seen him too. Behind me, there's the Hindu demigod Ganesha, that little elephant guy. People, <laughs> people have seen him. And, you know, what we were talking about earlier with God and this sort of collect this uh, collective consciousness, this interconnectivity of things, if that is true, there's a good chance, you know, they call it the, the God molecule or spirit molecule. If that's true, when you consume this thing, these things and you, and you get in touch with God, the divine, that collective consciousness, there's a good chance these things exist together. Like these, these, uh, this, I, I don't know if you want to call it the Akashic records or the, the, <laughs> the, the, the collected, um, sort of wisdom and information of all living beings that have ever lived type thing that you're tapping into because, and I don't know if you've experienced this with DMT too, man, but there seems to be some sort of fundamental, juicy source slash truth slash spirit that I feel every time I break through. And it's something that when I'm there, it's always like, oh, yes, like this again. Oh, boys, just wait till I come back from this one and change the world. But it never lets you take it all back with you. You know, like it's if, a, if we're talking percentages, I feel like I take back like 10%, probably even less than that of my DMT trips. You know what I mean? And And so when I make these videos, it's almost like, it's almost like imposter syndrome because like what I'm saying is true and that's what I remember from it. But it's like, also I'm kind of full of shit cause I can't really tell you everything that happened. Like I just, I, it was like men, you ever seen the men in black movies where someone <laughs> yeah. would, wit, would witness the aliens and they'd be like, hang on a second, chick and like flash their memory <laughs> clean. Right. That's, that's exactly. Yeah. yeah. It, it feels like trying to tell a story about a party that you were blacked out for. And you just have like bits and pieces or like, oh, like I remember seeing myself in the mirror in the bathroom for a split second. And then like there was, I remember music at one point and then I woke up on the couch and also it was the most meaningful spiritual experience of my life. And you're like, what the, like you missed so much of the in-betweens that I'm very curious about. And like, I, there's no way that I can remember or even begin to retain that information, but I promise you that it's on the other side. Just take a hit. <laughs> like that's, yeah. that's what it feels like trying to talk about DMT. It's so impossible. Dude, that is the perfect way of describing it. You were <laughs> you were killing it today with these analogies. Oh, thank, you, thank you, thank you. I try. I'm yeah. trying my best. I mean, it, it I'm, really I mean I'm on I'm on mushrooms, so it's helping. <laughs> it sounds like something a comedian would say when when you had that punchline of, but it was the most uh, spiritual experience of my life. <laughs> right, right. Like that's that's what it makes no. It seems so. It's just so hard to like for anyone who's watching this and listening to our crazy rants right now. 
and has never experienced this stuff, like turn turn us off or finish it, you know, hit the like and subscribe, but then just go do this stuff. You know, I'm not encouraging it legally, but if this stuff intrigues you, now's the time. Like this is your sign that, hey, like maybe I should explore this. I clearly have some sort of desire to know what's out there, to feel connected to something more. Like we're literally telling you, hey, this it's as simple as this. We have, it's super easy. These things grow in the ground. They've been on the planet forever. You just take a little bite and then, it, you know, set six hours aside or whatever it is that you're taking this, the, you know, the substances. And then you'll have your answers. You'll have that experience that you're looking for. It's simple as that, you know, copy and paste, very repeatable. Right. And like these things are very personal. So like, I think people definitely need to be like, feel called to do it. You know, but I'm with you. If someone does feel called to do this, I'm not advising you to break the law. But what I am saying is to take some, per, you know, have that sovereignty over your own, the contours of your own consciousness. You know, I mean, don't, t I'm not telling you to take 10 hits of acid and then go driving down the freeway. Please don't do that. <laughs> no. But what I am telling you is that if you want to explore like i said the contours of your own consciousness i think i think it is your i think it's your birthright and i understand not everybody is privileged and has the opportunity to do these things right now but the what i said earlier with you know the psychedelic renaissance that is that's changing that's going to change in our lifetime me and you both jake we're going to see a day where people who, where people who feel called to these things can go to a center uh retreat center or something and and have it legally and i mean that is already happening um you know here in kentucky people are setting up ayahuasca churches legally have you seen there's a vice documentary series called kentucky ayahuasca of this guy who used to rob banks spent some time in prison during his prison stint he met a ayahuasca shaman from like peru <laughs> after they That's both got amazing. out yeah and this is a real story and after sure. they both after they both got out dude this this ayahuasca shaman sent this guy the bank robber some ayahuasca in the mail and he tried it and had this super life-changing revelatory experience and decided he wanted to do this for other people and there is this i forget what it is but there is this specific law in kentucky where people are allowed to have these religious sacraments. So he set up like a literal church and is giving people ayahuasca legally. And there's a whole vice documentary series about this. I really recommend anybody interested to go listen to that. It's called Kentucky ayahuasca. It goes down in Campbellsville, Kentucky, which is like, I think within an hour drive of where I live, man. So that is amazing. And, you know, honestly, like, uh, I've, t I've been telling people this for years now, probably two or three years now. And when I tell them this, I know it, how far fetched it probably seems in their perspective, but my like dream, my goal, I guess you can say is to get to a point where I can open up some sort of retreat center and help facilitate and provide people with these type of experiences. And I would love if like this podcast and this sort of launch pad brand thing that i'm trying to get going could like funnel into that you know what i'm saying that's that's entirely like kind of my vision as well like and it's all just different like i i obviously i sense that this is really what you 
are motivated by as well. It's just helping people get connected to these experiences easier. Like that, when I started out doing this, there's a very limited information, very limited, very few people willing to talk about it. Um, and yeah, so that, that's the, that's the ultimate dream is to be able to have a, a, you know, some sort of means of communication to people who are seeking out other people who have experience with this stuff. Um, you know, not that you or I are, you know, the be all end all of psychedelic knowledge and guidelines, but the more people, the better to glean all of our crazy different experiences. Um, and yeah, to be able to have like a, a real world place to visit that everyone can connect and experiment with these plants. Yeah. If we could do that eventually at some point in a legal setting, it would be incredible. I, I didn't know about Kentucky. That's amazing. Cause I, I had done a little bit of research real lightly and I saw that they, that one had popped up in Orlando, Florida. And I was looking into a little bit of just like the legalities of that. And if that's something that I could, you know, take somewhere else with me and, and set up somewhere, you know, a different part of the country. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. That's, that's fully the dream. I just want to, this stuff is life-changing and I want to be the guy that I was looking for when I set out to experiment with this stuff. And I think that's what you're doing. You were, you were one of the guys, you know what I mean? Like that I was watching even just whatever, however many months ago that you started your channel um, and was a huge inspiration for me to do the same thing. You know, just the more the merrier. This, this stuff is crazy. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, man. And, uh, you know, I'd love it. If someday maybe we could work together on that and bringing that to people. Uh, yeah, dude, I, I've been wanting to go to Kentucky for so long because I want to go to Mammoth Caves. So I'm down. Let's find one of these ayahuasca places. Hey, you can find them on the internet, man. Maybe we could go to a ceremony together. But uh, hey, uh, we, yeah, that was. I, I don't know if you've watched my one video, but I I spent some time incarcerated because I got arrested on drug trafficking charges back towards the end of 2020 and there for a couple a couple years or so I was selling psychedelics and uh and marijuana as well but um it was interesting because I technically got charged with drug trafficking DMT but like honest to god I, w I wasn't selling it I was <laughs> I'd actually I was having these DMT ceremonies with people um, you know, and like anybody who wanted to try it, I was like, man, like, come over here, we'll do it together. We'll have this whole ceremony around it. And that, that was one of the most rewarding experiences of my life getting to like help. I don't think I was doing anything special. I just think I was helping provide the context that the medicine could do its work on people, you know, and like. I I remember this one time, man. So I had this buddy uh, named Steve. And Steve wanted to buy some acid off me one day. And so I was like, yeah, man, come over. And he said, I have my buddy. I'm, I'm going to call him G. I have my buddy G with me, right? Can he come over too? I was like, sure, yeah, whatever, man, sure. So they came over. And upon answering the door... I could tell, like, there was something a little bit off about G. Like, he seemed very nervous, very, very on edge. And after talking to him for a few minutes, come to find out this dude's a Marine. And he's has severe 
like severely bad PTSD and it is dealing with all these problems because of it. And he went through some very traumatic things whilst overseas deployed that he's still dealing with, of course, you know, as you can imagine. And G had had some very therapeutic experiences in his past with, you know, other psychedelics like LSD and mushrooms. And uh, I asked him like, you know, that classic Joe Rogan line of like, you're a tried DMT, bro. <laughs> and he, his eyes lit up and he was like, no, he was like, I've never found, I've never known anybody who had it. So I was like, all right, dude, like, um, well, if you want to do some DMT, like I got some, you know? And so, <laughs> yeah. So we did, I did DMT with this, you know, Marine who had really bad PTSD and I'm not going to go into the details of his experience cause I don't know if he'd want me to, but I will say that he had a very beautiful experience and he said it, it really helped him out a lot. And that was the moment where I sort of realized I was like, okay, like this is the, this is the antithesis of what, I don't want to say what my life is about, but I feel like this is something super positive. I could leave with this world if I just really threw myself into this whole space, which I already had, but really got down and did the nitty gritty work and, and learned about these things the best of my ability and and also learned how to help facilitate these experiences the best of my ability i feel like um and i feel like one of the things that leads most people to depression and what led me to depression for a long time was not feeling like you have a true purpose in this world and after sort of discovering what i felt like my purpose is or could be you know something that i really felt for the first time passionate about dude like i i mean i go through i have my bad days like everybody else but even through my experiences with being incarcerated and shit like i just i sort of feel like i'm on a mission you know what i mean and and growing up <clears throat> growing up i just remember my parents and other people always asking me like well what do you want to do with your life what do you want to do when you get older i was like i don't fucking know like i guess make money like isn't that what we're here to do you know it was yeah. a very materialist reductionist way of looking at things but i thought like money material things were going to be the the root of my happiness like uh once i get to that house or that car then i can just sit back and enjoy it man you know mm -hmm. but through my experiences with psychedelics and life experiences i realized like it's it's those are tenuous things they're going to come and go you I just, yeah, I, I think having a purpose as a human being is so important, man. Completely. And, and it's one that like is selfless in so many ways. It's, it's focused outward on other people and helping them have these experiences and appreciate what they can get out of those experiences. Um, yes, yeah, so I, I think that I, that really falls in line with, um, how I felt about this whole thing and, um, even like, even when I, like, I, I would consider my nursing career for the last 10 years as it, I felt that that was my purpose. Um, and I was content and satisfied with that for a long time until I came into contact with this stuff. And this is exponentially more meaningful to me. It's more life-changing 
to me and um it's way more fulfilling helping people on this side of it this like I, i've worked in a lot of different areas i've worked um mostly in, in the emergency side of it and a little bit in icu but i did a lot of uh, time in like a behavioral health like inpatient um psychiatric care um and, like the, the medicines don't work this the stuff that we are peddling to people and the stuff that you are watching on Grey's anatomy as like this miracle cure that we're selling you it's bullshit it's not real we can't save your life and if anything we're accidentally giving you cancer which we will then charge you exorbitantly to treat which like also we don't have the treatment for that because we suppress it so like it's it's just I, I i've been very disillusioned by healthcare and so many other things that i once identified as my calling and that has really been replaced by one thing and that is psychedelics and the the various avenues that i intend to help people with them if that makes any sense uh so yeah i i, I totally agree with you I, i'm excited where like i'm personally at i'm excited for where youtube is going and you know people like you and i being able to connect like this is so incredible and i do like i i am so wholeheartedly in agreement with you that we are at the very start of this psychedelic renaissance because if if you look at things on a macro scale of human history most human civilizations had psychedelic like psychedelics strongly incorporated into their culture and their way of processing our world around us we are missing out on that we're a baby society that is really fallen under complete like dictatorship control even though we're being tricked into thinking it's not we've been start we've been deprived of our connection to our planet and to each other we as a culture are a baby culture that has been neglected and I think people are finally waking up to that and they're starting to realize, hey, I can just, I can take a little mushrooms and my whole life is fixed forever. I don't need to keep taking these meds that make me feel bad, turn off my personality. I can have, uh, you know, a 12 hour acid trip, feel better than ever, meet God, and then take those experiences with me forever and sleep like a baby at night. Sign right. me up. <laughs> and, and what's amazing is that it's not a medication that requires everyday dosing. It's something that is sticks it's not in the i mean the effect it has on your neurochemistry is definitely important but there's something about just the remembrance of the experience itself that has holds so much of the therapeutic value within it like uh and i'm man i'm sure like since you know you've been working in the medical field for a long time um how you could feel this sort of internal dilemma of okay like i want to help people and i think i think it's very noble uh the the nursing profession my my sister and my baby mama are both actually nurses um and i think it's a beautiful thing but you know i can see why you had that internal struggle of like i i want to help people but you know these medications that we're giving them just a lot of the time they're not working and yet i have these mushrooms at home that I, I know work <laughs> and, yeah. and there is this massive amount of research going on right now showing the efficacy of these things. And that like, I think it's like some like 70% of people are getting like almost permanently cured of depression from mushrooms that's and crazy and the efficacy rate, that's the efficacy rate of that. But like when you look at something like uh, traditional SSRIs, it's like the, the, those, rates of of success are so much lower like insanely low 
Um, uh, so. I, I, I'm, I'm working on a video right now about this and kind of explaining to like the, you know, three people that follow my channel that I am a nurse. <laughs> and this is one of the reasons why I got into this. Um, and that like, that's, uh, I kind of I forgot where I was going with this, but, um, what were we just talking about? About, about how, uh, you see the potential in these psychedelic medicines compared to the traditional SSRIs and how you're a nurse and your YouTube channel. Right. I can't remember. I had something good. I had something yeah. really good and, you know, wise that I was going to say. I can't. Maybe it'll come back to me. But right. yeah, no, it is. Uh, it was very difficult, that contrast with, you know, being at work and seeing these people who are so clearly struggling and just clearly. I remember what I was about to say. So in this in this video that I'm about to make, I, I, I make the joke of how stupid the system is where these patients will come into me suffering from suicidal ideations and then our treatment is medication with a side effect of suicidal ideations i am treating the, you with the sickness that you have that makes no sense and then if you look into the literal you know uh chemical expl or pharmaceutical explanation pharmacological explanation for why these medications in theory work on people with mental health it's just blank. There is no solid concrete proof. It's just kind of loose. Oh, well, we think if we dump this chemical into your brain and it rises the level, sometimes it makes people happy. Sometimes it makes you kill yourself, but we'll, we'll keep an eye on you. Like that's, that's the level of sophistication with which I was able to treat people, even though I knew that in my back pocket, so to speak, I could give them something that's pure, natural, and and relatively gentle compared to the chemicals that they're taking and it's just a one-time experience that could really have lasting changes and i i quickly realized that there was no way i was going to help people continuing to just be a nurse on a one-by-one -one basis every time i have a patient who is dealing with a lifelong you know meth addiction sure i can take them aside and have a closed door conversation be like hey man like if you really want out from under this burden and you are you feel like you genuinely want help and nothing has helped so far, I have the secret for you. It's totally illegal. I shouldn't be telling you this. I could probably lose my nursing license for recommending something that's illicit. But I can tell you that there are studies by reputable medical research like sources who are confirming my own anecdotal experiences that this stuff is incredible and it could help you. So that was cool to do that on a one by one by one basis. But um, yeah, doing something like this, I feel way more fulfilled and hopefully eventually this will trickle down into, you know, the right people who this is what they're looking for. And it's, hopefully it helps someone. Right. And I, I have complete confidence that it will, man, you know, and especially if you keep putting content out there and putting yourself out there like that, you know, I think it's very noble of you but like yeah man what you're saying about these supposed side effects of an ssri like well you might kill yourself it's it's like hey buddy if you took an ssri and that caused you to kill yourself that's not a side effect of the drug that's just an effect you know what i'm saying like uh right it, it's it's absurd and like I want to reiterate, like psychedelics aren't the only path here when it comes to these sort of things. I mean, there's all sorts of different avenues you can take, you know, like say uh, meditation and yoga and 
exercise and traditional therapy. And all of those are great. And I've done all of those. I, you know, I still do exercise like every day and I eat healthy and I, I meditate and I've been to therapists, but I will say, man, that psychedelics served as this sort of catalyst to make all of those things even more effective for me. If that makes sense, you know, uh, like it was, it was easier for me to meditate when I knew sort of the, the, when I felt the state of mind that I was wanting to reach, it was easier for me to eat healthier whenever I, at a fundamental level, felt the, like, imp the importance of, you know, my body, my, the, the temple that your soul resides in, you know, like it, it's, and all of these things go hand in hand. Um, and then it's like, on top of that, not only are you getting a tremendous, potentially getting tremendous therapeutic value for your life, but, oh, you also might meet God. You might, you might have that connection, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it's so true. It's just such a, such a profound experience. Um, and it really does. Once you are able to experience those mind states on a psychedelic, it's so much easier to go back to it. You know, for what, like, I have a video about how I had a fear of heights, a lifelong fear of heights, and one experience with this tree that I was talking to outside who kind of tricked me into climbing out over the ledge of a balcony. And w once I was in that physical position, hovering above the earth and in a, a calm mind state, once I was able to experience that in those conditions, I could just pull myself back to it sober again and it's the same thing with everything that's why i kind of a lot of times discredit the notion of uh bad trips because most of my most impactful and you know encouraging experiences ended up being from the the really tough times that i had on psychedelics um so i i kind of shy away at encouraging that language that there is such thing as a bad trip because i think most people if you really want help there's something you know dark weighing on your soul you need to take a dose that's going to kick your ass and make you cry. Because afterwards, you're going to feel great. Like, you're going to be walking on clouds. But you need to cry. You need yeah. to go through the dark tunnel before you can see the light. Right. I completely agree with that. I like to refer to them as challenging journeys. Because <laughs> I think it sounds a little more poetic. And I think it's a little <laughs> bit more, more accurate. And I've experienced the same thing of definitely some of the most transformative moments that I've had from psychedelics have been the very, very dark ones. And because like, I think, you know, there's dark, whether you want to call it the darkness, the, the, your demons, your delusions that exists and resides within each of us. It does now to what degree and what they are, it, it's unique to you. But with psychedelics, what it did for me personally, is it sort of let me see those things and feel those things, which is painful, you know, but, it also let me experience the opposite of that, the very good things within me, the, and by feeling and experiencing both things, uh, you know, um, it let me sort of selectively help me selectively pick the good things and nurture those and, and, and cultivate those things instead of having this sort of programming run in the back of my mind that I had no idea was going on. It was like, I got to close some tabs on the computer in a way, or, you know, or at least look at it and be like, well, that's kind of a lie. That's not true. Like, you know, um, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I mean, people have to be careful, man, because like you know, there is there is certain people who take large doses or even a small dose, and they have these psychotic breaks. But the the percentage of people that that happens to is relatively low in comparison to the amount of potential therapeutic value it can have for the population as a whole. And like, I, I like what you said about you got to take a large dose that'll kick your ass. You know, um, because like, don't get me wrong. I like, I like microdosing and I definitely see where it has a lot of, you know, therapeutic value, but I think some people do the microdoses. I, I've met people who will, who will exclusively microdose, but won't take large doses because they know like, and, and they might not admit this, but they know it's going to be challenging. Like I used to date this girl and I'm not going to say her name, but you know, it, obviously I was very into psychedelics and I still am. And whenever we would, she would want to take psychedelics a lot with me, but whenever we would take them, it was like she was taking 0.2 grams of mushrooms and I was taking five, you know, like, it, and she would, she would never push the boundary on it. And I, I, I'm not trying to be judgmental, but this person definitely had some aspects of them that I think that they need to look deeper at. And I tried to like encourage that in a healthy, supportive way, but it just, it, it never happened. You know, they never wanted to plunge into those deep waters. And I'm not saying that everybody needs to do that, but it was, I can see how people can get caught in the trap of running away from that that pain you know but like you said once you just face it and say well fucking here i am give me your worst you leave a lot stronger from that so it just it begs the question why like that's that's really what it comes down to for those people like you make your own choices you have free will like i i fully recognize that you and i are the crazy people on the full spectrum of humanity we're the crazy ones we're the guys who are crazy enough to get in our you know constable wagon and head west for the gold rush we're the crazy ones who are willing to face all the fear and danger and the the bad times because we want the excitement of unexplored territory like to be completely frank we have no idea what this stuff does to us i i feel like uh you know mushrooms are a safe bet a plant i, I feel pretty good about that um smoking dmt and the consequences of that no fucking clue. I'm not going to pretend to know. I could very well be giving myself brain cancer right now. I know that that is one thing that people theorized with Terrence McKenna and his early death was a connection between that and smoking DMT. So by no means is this for everyone. This is very clearly an insane ask to, to embark on these things. Um, and all substances are not the same. So I can't even recommend that equally either. Um, but ultimately what it comes down to, no matter what the, the trip that you are planning or shying away from, the question is why? Why are you scared to do this high-dose psychedelic? And if you don't want to confront it with mushrooms or with acid, that's fine. You don't have to, but you need to confront it somehow. So figure out the way that's least scary for you to do that and still confront it because you're never going to run away from anything. That's not how life works. <laughs> right. Your problems have a way of catching up to you, you know. Um and that thing you said, for people who don't know, Terrence McKenna was this super famous psychedelic philosopher. Um, 
in my eyes, he's he, he's a guru. He's a god. I love the dude. And yeah. he passed he passed away somewhere like well, wasn't it in his like his late fifties or something? I want to say somewhere around that. It was certainly young, by all means, young. Right, and he was otherwise a relatively healthy individual, um, but he had a brain tumor that ended up being cancer. And the very very interesting thing about that man, I don't know if you've heard this, but that brain tumor he had was in the sh like in the shape of a mushroom. Are you serious? <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> Isn't that makes fucking, no sense? That's this life wild. is a simulation. Like if you want more proof, like what what else do you need? Life is a simulation. Yeah. Terrence McKenna has a mushroom tumor. Like come on, <laughs> right? Uh, it was. Crazy. It was funny, man, because a couple weeks ago, I, I'm like in the process of interviewing for this job, right? And I have another interview in a couple days, but. Um, a couple weeks ago, I had the first like round of interviews, and one of the questions the interviewer asked me was, "If you could talk to anybody right now, alive or dead, who would it be?" And dude, I couldn't, I couldn't come up with anything else in my head. Like I literally, Ooh, yeah, I told her, I said, <laughs> I said Terrence McKenna. She was like, "Who, who's that?" And I had to explain, like he is this super famous psychedelic That's philosopher. Awesome. That's and, awesome. And I gave her this whole spiel and I was completely honest and just like, I didn't tell her, I didn't tell the lady, Hey, I smoke DMT. I'm a huge psychonaut, but I explained all this to her and she was like, wow, like I'm going to have to look into that. <laughs> that's cool. That's, I mean, uh, side but that's exactly what you want in an interview. So brilliant, honestly, like, yeah, no, if, if they walk away from that interview, still thinking about you, cause you said something as crazy as I want to talk to Terrence McKenna, even though he's dead, like. No, that props to you. That was a smart move, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, yeah, man. No, that that is a good choice, though. He would be a wild one too. Okay, actually, so before we like wrap up or anything like that, because I don't know how much time you have, um, there is one question that I wanted to pose to you because it's something that me and my friends have kind of talked about because uh, it's intriguing, uh, and I definitely want to get your opinion on it. So I don't know if you're familiar with the like very conspiratorial book, "Behold a Pale Horse." I can't no. remember the author's name, but so this is like one of the um, like most pivotal writings. If you go down like conspiracy theory rabbit holes, right? So me and my friends just kind of I really enjoy looking into like just the most wild, bizarre theories possible and just entertaining them just for the fun of it. Um, and so this book was kind of held to be one of the most monumental ones and filled with some of the most accurate stuff that ended up being becoming true. Like this guy allegedly predicted nine 11 with pretty like interesting specificity. So long story short, I read this book and in it, it kind of posits that the U S government is being run by this intergalactic alien organization that they're secretly, secretly in cahoots with. And this is yada, yada, like crazy, crazy stuff to really digest, especially, you know, if you're on cannabis. So, if we get to this part in the book where it says that the way that these that basically the aliens kind of created life and control life on the on the planet through these governments that they're connected to and they were the ones who created or invented religion as a tool to control humanity and basically they take high government officials like from around the world, these delegates onto this UFO type thing and fly them to their mothership or their home planet or whatever the hell. And they show them evidence 
to prove to the, the men who rule the world that religion was their invention. And my question, a very long-winded question to you, is what would it take for you personally to be shown by these aliens to renounce your current faith and your current like system of thinking uh, religiously. I guess it, it's more impactful to people who are like, you know, devout Catholic or Protestant or whatever the case may be. But it is an interesting question that I've had. Like, what could they show me that right now I would be like, oh, like, all right, I renounce God. I'll follow you guys. Like, it has to be something really good because there's always that chance that they're deceiving you. So it's just curious. I don't know. What, what do you have to say about that? Right. Well, I would say how it currently with the avatar that I exist in um, <laughs> and the accumulation of life experiences I've had, my, my viewpoint on it would be, I wouldn't be surprised if that is true. And I wouldn't be surprised if it isn't true. Now, if I was say a devout Bible thumping Catholic and had this experience, um, yeah, I would definitely drop everything I knew if I truly was taken by aliens and shown their mothership and you know how they yeah dude it's un it's unfucking deniable that i would okay well this is the truth and that's that it it has a what you just brought up has a such a strong correlation between what we've been talking about this entire podcast it's a it's a great question for you to ask because you know it's like uh, these ties between a religion and the difference between having faith in something and then experiencing it for yourself and anybody who's done research on dmt or who has you know smoked dmt whatever they 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 hear about and they know about these kind of self-autonomous entities who communicate with you and tell you secrets about the world and and secrets about yourself and all these mystical mind reality shattering you know stuff like it's um yeah i that see when you you mentioned earlier in the podcast how you were sort of an atheist before you went into psychedelics and that's kind of where i was too i was i wasn't necessarily an atheist but i was just like i definitely don't believe in christianity and i don't know what the fuck is out there i was like i don't think i don't really think anyone does but then upon my experimentation I can't tell you what it is exactly. I'm not going to pretend like I know, but I, I believe that there is something, this other higher power, something going on. Um, and I don't think I'm necessarily supposed to, or meant to be able to fully articulate it and change the world and let everyone know the cosmic secret. You know, I don't think that's the, I think that you can definitely experience that, like I said earlier, in the throes of the DMT flash, but can't take it back with you, man. I don't care. I don't know. You can't yeah. take that fundamental secret back. Like, I've tried. Trust me. Trust yeah. me, people. I've fucking tried. But yeah, no, that's a that's a great question. Uh, yeah, I guess that's and that's my answer I, what would you yeah, say about no, it? i like that i think i mean my answer changes a little bit each time uh the reason i like that question and that whole crazy scenario is because everyone has like these varying degrees of like their grip on reality everyone there's everyone has like a little you know, kind of like chink in the armor a little crack in the hole that to their whole perspective and it the degree with which it's fractured varies like mine's gaping wide it's 
completely cracked open. I have no fucking clue what's real. Um, but everybody has, like, it would be silly for someone to assume that all of their belief systems are 100% accurate. So once you back someone into that uh, kind of like f philosophical corner of admitting that there's at least a 1% chance that they're wrong, that their belief system is wrong, then it's so interesting to me getting them to kind of explore that thought of what would it really take for me to, you know, denounce Catholicism and Christianity? What would it really take for me to accept that the planet is run by aliens? What 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 is the burden of proof for me to give up my grasp on reality? Um, yeah, and like I said, my answer has changed a lot over the this whole, you know, time in, in delving with these psychedelics and stuff. I would say right now the burden of proof is very low. <laughs> uh, if, if you just show me a picture of your UFO, I'm following you. I <laughs> like I I believe you. Sold. Whatever you. I, all right. Cool. I follow you now. Like I'm your apostle or whatever the fuck you want to call me. <laughs> I worship you. So that's my answer. Is I'll take literally anything. Like I half of my like brilliant ideas all end up sounding like I'm starting a mushroom cult. So. It wouldn't. It wouldn't take much uh, for me to be swayed in an entirely different direction. But that's kind of what I. I enjoy existing in that more fluid concept of reality and just being open to everything. I think that psychedelics kind of forced me into that. I didn't really have a choice. If you want to do crazy high dose psychedelics all the time, you have to learn how to assimilate it like that. Um, and so that's where I, I exist. I exist in this weird gray area of. You know, most days thinking that I'm in a simulation. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, very well put, man. And, 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 you know, it is fun to, to think about that question because I can imagine somebody who is very, very stuck in their ways and is very, like I said earlier, fear driven to, to, to their faith. It's, I, I don't want to burn in hell type thing so yes jesus i love you I, yeah. I, you know i can see how having an experience like that would would absolutely be it would be like um a, a rebirth a death and rebirth type of experience in in terms of you are not going to be the same person after that like i think in aldous huxley's doors of perception he says something along the lines of like the man who walks through those doors isn't the same man who comes back. Um, and I think that's so true when it comes to these very, very profound psychedelic experiences. But yeah, dude, man, this has been fucking great. Like I yeah, really, it's been so fun. I really enjoyed making this with you, man. You're hilarious. You're fucking, you're very cool. You're, uh, you're really easy to talk to. Um, gonna have to have you back on soon. I can see you being, on this podcast many many times in the future if you wanted to um, i'm down man this has been so fun uh yeah. you know like i said like i was a i was a fanboy of your channel before i was even a blip on the map or even trying to make my garbage content so yeah no i'll i'll come back whenever i'll talk about psychedelics and I'll, you know your grandmother i'm down yeah. uh let's do well, it i have to disagree with you man i don't think your garbage is content i actually enjoy it a lot and i i will i tell all the listeners go check out Jake knows nothing. Tell people where they can find you, man. Yeah, so right now I'm just really on YouTube. Um, my my channel is Jake Knows Nothing, uh, and I really only have a couple of videos. I have a bunch in the works right now, just trying to get 
the quality content out there. I'm trying not to rush things and just make the videos that I want. Uh, I, I'm on Twitter. I don't really use social media. Eventually, if I have more people following, I'll I'll develop more ways. Uh, like I want to have a community of you know cool people like yourself, um, where we can all just like guide all the crazy fucking people who want to do this stuff. So yeah, that's where you can, you can find me right here. Awesome. Well, thanks, Jake, for coming on. Uh, peace out, everybody. Everybody, Jake knows nothing.